here tonight. So first of all, let me just say to you that uh, I do bring greetings from all of your brothers and sisters in Christ at Two Rivers Church. And uh, we uh, continue to be uh, very excited and encouraged about the relationship that we have with Matthias Lott and uh, just the privilege we have of working together uh, on the kingdom, capital K. None of the territorial stuff, none of the competitive stuff, just sister churches loving on each other, living the gospel out, and, uh, and doing exactly what God has called us to do. And so, um, man, when Mark called and uh, asked if I could come and speak here tonight, uh, it took me like all of about a half second to say, absolutely, I will be there. And uh, so I am privileged to uh, be here tonight. Secondly, just in way of introduction, um, if, if you all know me, I'm not a guy that spends a whole lot of time beating around the bush. I was trying to think of a good way to say this. And, and, and so please take this with the heart that I say this. I mean this in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, but I have a man crush on your pastor. Um, I think Mark is one of the um, most awesome young men I have ever met. He is an incredible leader. And, and, and so let's just be honest. Here's what happens. Like, um, whenever a guest speaker comes, um, there's a part of you sitting out there that, that you kind of want to stack me up against Mark, you know, and say, well, let's see if this guy's got anything. Let's see how he compares to Mark. And so I want to just spare you of all that right up front. Let me just say this. I am not nearly as smart as Mark is. I am not nearly as articulate as Mark is. Uh, I am not the athlete that Mark is and was. I, I, I'm... I, I don't have any of that going. I don't dress as cool as Mark. I don't have as cool hair as Mark. I can't dance like Mark, sing like Mark, preach like Mark. So I'm just going to tell you right now, right up front, I give, okay? He wins. I, I, I give, all right? I, I, I do not want to have to wear the pressure tonight of trying to walk in the shoes of, of Mark Sigma here at Matthias Lot. So let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, if you're going to compare me to Mark Sigma tonight, uh, you are going to be sorely disappointed. So I'm just going to tell you that up front. Let's be honest. Let's get that out of the way. Um, but hopefully I can say uh, a few things from God's word um, that will be of value this evening. And I got to say one other thing. And um, I'm wondering if my wife is here. Yeah, see, there's my wife right there. I can't see because that light's shining right in my eye. Um, but one other thing, um, I, I don't hardly ever do this, but I just, my wife and I are on Saturday going to celebrate our 22nd anniversary. So when I get done here tonight, yeah. Um, so when I get done here tonight, I'm going to shut down for a couple of days and we're going to go hang out and celebrate our anniversary. And, um, but you know what? I, uh, I get to do what I get to do because I have an incredible wife who supports me and, uh, I am very thankful for her. Uh, I'd like for you tonight to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Mark told me that I could speak on anything I wanted to tonight as long as it came out of the Bible. And uh, even though we have had um, a, a relationship as sister churches, and uh, um, uh, I've certainly kept up with you all, I have never, ever... Uh, uh, preached here at, at Matthias Lot, and so, um, and I may never ever get to do that again. And so, if I only get to preach one time at some place, 
Uh, usually the passage that I go to is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Um, it is uh, what I would consider my life passage. And I love all of Scripture, but uh, I very much love Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. So let me read that tonight, and then we're just going to spend a little time here in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. Now, I'm not really sure exactly what church or temple it is that Isaiah went to. Truth is, I don't know if they met on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Saturday night. I'm guessing they probably had Saturday evening church or Friday evening church. Um, But let's just pretend for a minute that the schedule that Isaiah was on is the same schedule that you were on. And I'm guessing that this day in Isaiah's life went something like this. I'm guessing that he woke up early in the morning, had breakfast, helped get some of his kids off to school ate a little breakfast, gave his wife a kiss, said, Honey, I'm out of here, got to work, go to work, I'll see you tonight. Went off, had a full day of work, just like many of you in this room. And, and, and he worked and worked and worked and, 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 you know, ran out the door at the last minute of the day because it was Wednesday and he had to get to church that night. And so he took off and, 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 and went home. And when he got home, you know, Mrs. Isaiah was there. And I'm guessing that she was trying to get supper on the table and the kids were running around and there was a lot of chaos because she's trying to have supper ready and have the kids ready for church. And they all sat down and they gobbled supper down. They were trying to get the kids all out the door and couldn't find all the shoes, you know, finally got shoes on everybody. He got everybody out, got them in the van. And when they, you know, got in the van, I'm guessing that uh, as they were about to pull out of the van, Isaiah looked over at Mrs. Isaiah and said, do you smell that? And about that time, she, with this horrible look on her face, picked up Isaiah Jr. and 
he had one of those nuclear diapers. I mean, right at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? It stunk up the whole van and she had to run back in the house and, and change the clothes and change the diaper and comes out. And so now they're looking at the watch and they're like, man, we are going to be late for church tonight. And this always happens. And I can't believe we're late again. And Isaiah's driving down the road, you know, speeding about, you know, 70 miles an hour down Highway 94 to get to church with his teeth clenched because he's mad and angry and upset because it's been a busy day and now they're trying to get to church and they pull into the church parking lot and they got out and some of their friends and neighbors uh, uh, who were also coming to church when they saw him on the parking lot you know hey Isaiah how you doing fine (laughs) fine because that's what we always say even if it's not fine fine and finally, Isaiah got everybody in and he got all the kids situated and, 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 he, and he got into, into church and he slid into his pew. And, and I'm guessing that he was thinking uh, to himself, oh man, it just feels good to sit down. And he may have even started thinking in his mind, um, oh yeah, that's right. Our pastor's not going to be here tonight. I wonder if this guy who's this guest speaker is going to be any good. And, and, and that was going through his mind. And he looked at his watch and it was, you know, just right at seven o'clock. He'd just gotten there by the skin of his teeth right on time. And he's thinking to himself, all right, I hope this doesn't go too long tonight because I've T-voted American Idol and I just can't wait to get home and get all the kids in bed and just sit down on the couch and relax and watch American Idol. But on this night, God had different plans. God wasn't going to allow Isaiah on this night to do what so many times I have done and what so many times I dare say you have done, and that is to just kind of slide into church and do the church thing, shake a few hands, sing a few songs, listen to the sermon, shake a few more hands, out the back door, got church done this week, check. No, it wasn't going to happen that way this night. Because somehow, some way, on this night, according to God's wonderful, awesome, divine plan, God opened up the heavens and gave Isaiah just a brief, momentary glimpse of how incredible He, capital H, really is. And so let me just make that, if if you're a note taker and you want to take notes, point number one tonight is we need to get a fresh glimpse of the glory, of the holiness, of the grandeur, of the awesomeness of God. I want to say to you tonight that um, if you've bought into a view of God that is, you know, well, God's small g or, you know, God's the, you know, the big man upstairs or God is my co-pilot or if your view of God is somehow that he is a part of this fire insurance policy that you have to keep you out of hell when you die and pass off the face of this earth. If you have any of that going on in your mind, can I tell you that you've bought into a very false vision and belief about who God is? God's not just a fire insurance policy. (laughs) He's not just somebody that we stroll in in front of, you know, once a week for an hour and a half and sing a few songs and listen to a sermon, say a couple prayers, go home. That's 
That's not the God I read about in the Bible. And so I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, that, that one of the things that all of us need is to, to often, to, to, and hopefully this will happen for all of us tonight, is to catch a fresh glimpse of the glory and the holiness of God. Because you see, on this night, um, as God just broke into Isaiah's life, he, he allowed him that glimpse of his holiness. And when God, when, when Isaiah saw God, all of a sudden, all of the religiosity and all of the, his casualness was taken away from him. And he saw God in all of his glory. And it says that as he saw God, God, capital G, was seated on his throne in all of his glory in heaven. All of his glory on display. And as Isaiah saw this, it says that there were angels. And by the way, when you read about the angels in Scripture, they're not the cute little porcelain things sitting on the shelf at the Hallmark store. That's not who these angels were. These angels that were flying around and ministering to God as he sat upon his throne, it says they were huge. They were seraphim and they had six wings. And these angels, were because of God's holiness... These angels who have never been tainted by human sin, but even the angels in the presence of God, he was so holy, they had to take two of their wings and cover their eyes because they couldn't look upon his glory. And they had to take two of their wings and cover their feet because of God's holiness. And with two wings, they flew around and ministered before the throne of God. And it says that these angels who, again, were not the little hallmark angels, these angels, it says their voices were so loud and boisterous that the whole place shook at the voices of these angels and by the way what were the angels saying they were saying exactly what anyone would say when they have a true glimpse of god in his glory they were crying out holy 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 is the lord god almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory you see our attitude is so often very casual. I imagine most of you here tonight would say, yeah, I, I know God's holy and I know God is big and I know God is huge and, and I know the kind of preaching and teaching that you're sitting under here on a regular basis and I know Mark you know, puts that in front of you all the time uh, uh, about God's glory. And we all know that's the right thing to say. And, we, and, and, and there's some level of belief in our heart on that. But do we really, I mean, do we really wake up every day and, and, and with awe at God's holiness? And do we, when we come together to worship corporately on Wednesday evenings, do we come in with a real sense of God's holiness and His glory and His awe? Or are we like Isaiah might have been on this day, just a little too casual sometimes? Let me tell you a little bit more about what the Bible has to say about God's glory. Um, I'm just going to give these to you very quickly. Uh, you can write these down and go check them out later on. But Exodus chapter 3 is the story of Moses in the burning bush. And Moses was out in the desert and all of a sudden this bush just decided to spontaneously combust. Now that would get your attention right there if you're just walking through the desert and all of a sudden this bush catches on fire. But not only did that happen, but this bush started talking to him. And as Moses began to walk over to the bush, the voice of God came from the bush. And God himself said, take your shoes off, boy. This is holy ground. 
Later on in Exodus chapter 33, Moses was on the mountain. He was doing business with God. He, and, and Moses said, God, I need to just see a glimpse of your glory. You're about to send me back down to tell all these people, all these rules and laws and regulations. How are they going to know that I've heard from you? Just let me see a little glimpse of your glory. And God said, I can't show you all my glory. If I really showed you all my glory, it would kill you dead. But here's what I'll do. I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock and I'll pass by and you can just catch a glimpse of my backside. I'll do that for you. And God did that and he passed by Moses. And then if you go to Exodus chapter 34, it says that when Moses came down off the mountain, after just catching a small brief momentary glimpse of the backside of God's glory it said he was so lit up just from that that people had to wear sunglasses when they were in his presence he was glowing now I don't know exactly what that looks like when I get to heaven someday I'm going to go to the blockbuster and I'm going to rent Exodus 34 because I want to see what that looked like but I believe it Because it's exactly what the Bible says. It says that Moses had been in the presence of God, just seen a glimpse of the backside of God's glory, and that it lit him up to where people couldn't even be around him because he was glowing. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25, God's testimony of himself as he's talking about his own uh, uh, greatness. God says, who are you going to compare me to? Have you ever thought about that? You see, there's no category for God. He's in a category all by himself because there's no one, nobody, there's nobody like God. He's in a category all all alone. God says, if you want to describe God to somebody else, he says, how, how are you going to do that? How, who would you compare me to if you were trying to tell somebody else of my glory and my holiness? You see, I, I used to have uh, a cat. And so, you know, let's just start right there. Animals. I like animals. All right. There's a category. I had a cat. There's another category. So now some of you have a cat, whatever your cat might look like in your mind. My cat, his name was Tuxedo because he was black and had a white stripe right down his chest. And so as I say that to you, now you have a picture in your mind of what Tuxedo, my cat, might have looked like. Now, I'm going to tell you, Tuxedo weighed about 32 pounds. He was about 15 pounds overweight, and when he walked, his belly drugged the ground. And so now add that into your picture. And now let me tell you that Tuxedo died about six years ago, and he looks like this. Okay, um, but, but no, but let, forget that part. But, but before that, I, I, up, right up until that part, you, you have some idea in your mind as I describe Tuxedo. I can categorize him by saying he's an animal, he's a cat, he's a black and white cat, he's a fat black and white cat. And the picture that you have in your mind is probably very similar to what my cat Tuxedo looked like. Do you know what God said? He said, there is no possible way you can even begin to describe me because there's no one to compare me to because I'm in a category all by myself. Those are God's words about himself. Psalm chapter 135, and I'm just going to, I'm going to zoom past this just because uh, I don't want to let time get away from me. Psalm 135, go read it. It said, God says, here's what God says. God said, I do what I want. And by the way, that some of us say that sometime, kind of a cute 
you know, little phrase, yeah, I do what I want. But let me tell you something. When God says, I do what I want, he's the only one that can really say that without it being arrogant and prideful. And by the way, he's the only one that really can say that because you may think you do what you want, but you don't do what you want. That's a whole nother sermon. But God does what he wants. He is the sovereign ruler of this universe. Colossians chapter 1 says that everything was created by him, for him. He's the one that holds everything together. And if God, for one nanosecond, took his hand off of this universe, it would spin out of control. Job chapter 38, Job had the audacity to question God. Some bad things had happened in Job's life and it made him begin, you know, his friends gave him some bad advice and finally Job broke down. He's like, yeah, I don't know about this God thing. I don't know if this is all true. And Job himself began to question God. I love it. Job 38, read it sometime. God says to Job, Job, if you're going to question me, I'm going to give you some answers. And and, and here's literally what God said to Job. Job, you better go ahead and strap it on tight, buddy. You better buckle up your belt and come on up in here. Because if you're going to question me, I'm going to answer you. So come on up in here and come like a man. Because I got some things I need to say to you. And then God began to question Job. Job, where were you when I measured out the foundation of the world? Job, have you ever told the sun when to rise in the morning and when to set in the evening? Job, do you know know the names of the hundreds of millions of billions of stars? I do. I put every one of them in place and I call every one of them by name. And on and on and on, God goes to question Job. One other thing, let me say this. Write this down. Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, John on the Isle of Patmos is given a glimpse also of what heaven is going to be like. And read John's vision of heaven and compare it to the one that Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6. John saw the Lord Jesus seated on the throne. The angels were ministering around the throne. Jesus seated on the throne. And guess what they were saying? Holy, holy Holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is full of His glory. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want to get ready for eternity, then then just wrap your arms around that. Wrap your arms around God's holiness and how awesome and large and in charge and sovereign God is because that's going to be the cry of all eternity is, Oh, God, you are awesome. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. And let me say one other thing, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this for 10 plus years now at Two Rivers Church. If we really, I I mean really, like when's when's the last time that you were at a church service where literally the, where God just shook the place? I mean, that's what he did in Isaiah 6. Literally, that day, God just shook the place. I mean, I love that vision of God's holiness and the train of his robe flowing down into the temple. And all of that was to say, on that day, God didn't allow Isaiah to go through the motions of religion and just complacently sit there and sit through another church service. He was confronted head on by the awesome, holy God, creator of this universe, and it rocked him at the core of his being. And if we, would ca- if we would catch a fresh glimpse of God's holiness and get past our casual attitude of, uh, 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 and our casual thinking about God and truly understand how awesome and how holy God is, it would change the way even that we come to church on Wednesday night. Now, I'm, 
I'm a guest speaker, so I'm not going to beat anybody over the head here tonight. But let me just go ahead and say, well, yeah, maybe I will beat you over the head. Here we go. I, I, we fight this at Two Rivers Church all the time, and it blows my mind. Now, look, I understand that every once in a while, Isaiah Jr. does have a nuclear diaper or something happens or you get stuck late at work or whatever. But in general, I'm just going to say this. If we truly had a, a, a real and right vision of God and had the proper amount of awe and respect for God that we should because of who He is, I'm just going to say we wouldn't be coming in here 15 minutes late. We'd be coming in 15 minutes early. And we'd be praying all around this place and we wouldn't be able to wait for the worship band to get up and lead us in worship. And in fact, I submit to you, we probably wouldn't even need a worship band. Not that I don't like them. We have one at our church, but I'm just saying, I think if we really understood who God was, I think we'd be singing long before the worship band ever got up. I don't think we'd need them to kind of get us pumped up before the preacher comes up and preaches. I think we'd come in on go. You know what I'm saying? And I think we'd be ready to worship the Holy One, capital H, because He is holy, holy, holy. And here's what's going to happen. When you get a fresh glimpse of God's holiness, you're going to also have a new understanding of your sinfulness. See, we're real good at managing our sin. What do I mean when I say that? Well, you know what? We come in here and we understand, you know, yes, we're all sinners. We would all say that in here tonight. Yep, I'm a sinner. I've sinned before. But the truth is, um, we really, in our minds, we know we're sinners. But there's something that always goes on in our mind that, and it's something like this. It's like, yes, I'm a sinner. I, I've sinned. I thank, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross and saved me from my sins. I'm a sinner. But you know what? I'm not near as big a sinner as that guy sitting on the other end of my pew right now. Do you know who that guy is? I'm not near as big a sinner as the guy that sits in the cube next to me at work. I'm not near as big a sinner as my uncle or my brother. Let me tell you about some people that are sinners. Yes, I'm sinful, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. I haven't committed any of the real big sins. Really. <laughs> and, and so we'll, we'll admit to a certain point that we're sinners and we'll even admit that to each other. But there's also a part in every one of us that wants to manage how much you really know about me and how much I really know about you and, and, and my understanding of how sinful you really are or your understanding of how sinful I really am. But I'm just going to tell you right now, whenever we catch a fresh glimpse of God's holiness, all that stuff goes away. I mean, Isaiah quit worrying at that moment about what anybody else in the church thought. It didn't matter anymore because he'd caught a fresh glimpse of God's holiness. And when Isaiah caught that glimpse of God's holiness, he realized his sinfulness and he was on his face on the floor. And he said, whoa. I'm a man of unclean lips. And not only am I a man of unclean lips, 
But the truth is, all these other people sitting in here right now that are around me, and we all kind of do this dance, and yes, we'll admit we're sinful on some level, but we don't really want them to know how sinful we really are, and we've even fooled ourselves sometimes into thinking we're not that bad. All that went out the window, and Isaiah fell on his face, and he said, I am a sinner, and all these people in this place around me are sinners. I'm a man of unclean lips. All these people are people of unclean lips. And he said, I am literally the word there literally means shattered i'm broken i'm shattered i'm broken into a thousand pieces that's exactly what happened to isaiah on this night as he saw god's holiness as it broke him all the games went out the window and he fell on his face before god Now, let me just tell you real quickly while we're on this point. um, Here's exactly what the Bible says about you and about me. We are are sinners. We're we're sinners. Take it all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created and he created all this stuff and finally he created man he was looking at everything and he said this is good this is good this is good this is good he got the man and he said this is not good for man to be alone so he created woman so now we have man and woman and everything's perfect and wonderful and beautiful and they're there in the garden and god says you know what we're going to live forever and ever and it's going to be an awesome beautiful wonderful relationship and you can go wherever you want to go do whatever you want to do it's all yours there's only one rule They didn't even have 10 rules. They had one stinking rule. And the rule was just stay away from this one tree. I mean, imagine that. All of the beauty of God's creation. Man, woman, there together in the garden. Naked. (laughs) Read the Bible. And, And it was all good. They didn't even have a sense of guilt and shame. One rule. Stay away from the tree. And the evil one comes along. And he says to the woman, you you know, come on. Why do you think God wanted you to stay away from that one tree? And then she goes and starts whispering to Adam. I still submit it was her fault, but that's a whole nother sermon. No, it wasn't. They, They, Adam sinned. They sinned. Sin entered the world. And the relationship was broken with God. flip all the way over to Romans chapter 5 because here's a question well do we sin because we're sinners or are we sinners because we sin and here's the answer to that question yes <laughs> we sin because we're sinners and we're sinners because we sin if you go to Romans chapter 5 it says this sin entered the world through one man there was one man that man Adam you can trace your sin nature all the way back to the first couple chapters of Genesis. And so you and I, ladies and gentlemen, are born with a sin nature. And I submit to you, if you don't believe that, if you say, well, you know what, I don't really believe that. I think man's inherently good. I don't think man's inherently bad. I'm just going to say to you, have some kids. See, I have four boys. Their names are Carson Ray, Cameron Trey, Connor Jay, and Cooper Clay. They are 19, 18, 16, and 16 right now. Many years ago, 
Debbie and I said, hey, let's have our boys and let's have them close together because they'll grow up and they'll play together all the time and they'll be best friends, best buddies. They'll love each other, be kind of like the Waltons. It's all going to be good. It, 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 some days it's like that. It doesn't always work like that. Now a lot of days we're like, what were we thinking? But, but there was a time in our life where I had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and two brand new babies that we brought home from the hospital. And, and as they began to grow up, when they weren't too terribly old, um, uh, it, it became very, very evident that they had a sin nature in them. You see, um, there was a day when there was a bag of powdered sugar donuts. We were living in Denver at the time. There was a bag of powdered sugar donuts. They were sitting on the table, told all the boys, boys, I don't want one of you to touch these powdered sugar donuts. You've had enough. Don't eat another powdered sugar donut. Take off. Come back home. We have brown carpet. I see powdered sugar on the floor. I go into the kitchen. There's more powdered sugar on the floor. Somebody's obviously been in the powdered sugar donuts. I call the boys. They all come in. One of my four boys, he'll remain nameless. Cameron. Um, Cameron's got powdered sugar all over his face. Like, Cameron, did you get into the powdered sugar donuts? Nope. And by the way, he's not the only one of my boys that's ever lied. But here's the deal. I never ever had to pull all my boys around the table one day and say, Hey boys, today dad's going to teach you how to lie. Never had to do that. I never had to pull all my boys around the table and say, hey boys, today dad's going to teach you how to be disrespectful to your parents. I mean, that was just in them. And we're working through all that, by the way, and they're doing a great job most days. But I want to say to you that we're born with the sin nature. And the Bible, listen, the Bible says this, that you and I are lost and undone in our sin. And that because of our sin, we are eternally separated from God. And that what we deserve because of who we are as sinful sinners apart from God is to spend all of eternity in hell. It's what the Bible says. I know that's not politically correct. I know that's not popular to be that straightforward and to just tell it like that. And you know what? It'd be a whole lot easier for me to stand here tonight and say, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, aren't we? We're really all okay. That's a much friendlier message. You'd probably like me better if I preach that. The only problem is that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're not okay. That we're sinful sinners. And that the best Five minutes you've ever lived in your life is as filthy rags before a holy, 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 righteous God. And we're in deep weeds if God doesn't act. So let's go to the next point. <laughs> Not only do we need to have a fresh understanding of God's holiness, which, which will lead us to a real understanding of our sinfulness, but I am so glad the story doesn't end there. God did not leave Isaiah on this day broken, shattered in a thousand pieces on the temple floor. The reality is God sent an angel on this night and the angel went to the altar 
And what happened on the altar in the Old Testament before the cross of Christ is there was blood sacrifice that was offered. And so people would come to worship. And when they came to worship on Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever it was, before the cross of Christ, they had to bring in animals. And the blood of those animals would be spilt upon this altar by the priest as a representation of forgiveness of sins. That's what happened in the Old Testament. Testament. And on this night, when Isaiah caught this glimpse of God's holiness and he was broken by his sinfulness and on his face before God, he had a a woe moment. And by the way, we need to have a woe moment over our sin and quit just playing around with it and be honest and say, whoa, I'm a sinner. And on that night, then God displayed his marvelous grace and forgiveness. He didn't leave Isaiah broken. He sent an angel And an angel went to that altar where the blood sacrifice went on. And the angel grabbed a hot coal with tongs and he went and he touched it to the lips of Isaiah. And that blood-covered coal from the altar of sacrifice on that night represented God's incredible forgiveness and grace. Remember, Isaiah had said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and, 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 and representative of that sinfulness. God had an angel take a coal and literally cauterize the lips of, of Isaiah representing cleansing of his sinfulness with that blood-covered coal. Can I tell you, we now live on the other side of the cross of the Lord Jesus and, and, and the New Testament tells us that Jesus came and that he was the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God. And he was, according to the book of Hebrews, the once and for all sacrifice. And so Jesus came down, lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. And when he shed his blood on the cross, it was to cover your sins. It was to cover my sins. It was so that you and I could receive forgiveness of our sins because our relationship with God had been broken and we were sinful and there was nothing that we could do about it and God in his grace and mercy said I love you I'm going to send my son Jesus he lived a perfect life he shed his blood on the cross he went to the tomb on the third day he arose and right now Jesus is seated in the heavenlies and he is interceding he is praying for what's going on in this room right now he's praying for you that you'll hear this message tonight and that you'll do business with him In the book of Colossians, it says that Jesus took his perfect record, his unblemished record. When when someone went to the cross and they were crucified, they would always nail at the top of the cross a list of all the sins that the person was being executed for. And when Jesus hung on the cross, all they could write was king of the Jews because there was no sin, because he was sinless. And the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, says that what happened on the cross was a great exchange. That Jesus took all of your sins, all of your sinfulness that broke your relationship with God, that, that 
has you and I deserving God's wrath to be poured out upon us. And Jesus paid the price. He took all of God's wrath and all of God's fury that should have been poured out upon you. And he took it. And his perfect blood covers your sin and my sin. It's a great exchange. And if we understand that, and if we repent and confess our sins, the Bible says our sins can be forgiven and that we can have a relationship with God, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that Jesus did on the cross as he paid the price for your sins and for my sins. He took God's wrath and satisfied it. And now, Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did. I can be in right relationship with God through the shed blood of Jesus. That's exactly what the coal represents in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah saw God's holiness. He recognized his own sinfulness. He was broken. God sent the angel, and that coal represented forgiveness. And let me say one other thing that's so cool in Isaiah chapter 6. God not only said, Isaiah, your sins are forgiven. He said, all of your guilt is removed. You know what? Truth is, in church, if you've been in church any time at all, you've heard the gospel You've heard about Jesus. You've heard about forgiveness of sins. But I want to tell you, and sometimes we can even say, yes, I understand Jesus died on the cross so that my sins can be forgiven. But do you understand that not only are your sins forgiven, but that literally God not only forgives your sin, but he removes guilt and that you can live in in freedom. You don't have to be walking around burdened by your sin and your guilt, but that God loves you and literally wants to remove. The Bible says in Psalm 103 to remove our sin as far as east is from west. God removes our sin and removes the guilt and the condemnation and says, I love you. Your sins are forgiven and your guilt is taken away. Anybody here tonight like to have your sins forgiven and not only forgiven, but would you like to walk out of here tonight not under a load of guilt about, oh man, what you did last week or what you did last month or what you did two years ago that Satan whispers in your ear all the time and says, hey, I know you're going over there to church and I know you're kind of getting involved, but I know who you are and I know where you've been and I know what you've done. And, and, and Satan's always heaping condemnation and guilt on you to say, hey, don't get too excited in your relationship with God. Don't get too excited about going over there to the lot because I know who you are. Has he ever talked to any of you like that? Um, he talks to me like that all the time. Does, does, wait, does he ever talk to anybody else in here like that? Because he likes to paralyze us with guilt and bring our sins up. And, and you know what? God said, <laughs> through his son Jesus on the cross, it is finished paid in full the greek word there is to telestides literally word paid in full 
sin forgiven, and not only sin forgiven, but guilt removed, all of it taken away, and you can stand positionally perfect and righteous before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's the gospel, by the way. That's good news is that you and I don't have to perform. It's not about anything that we've done. It's all about what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. That's the gospel. That's good news. And if you understand the gospel, then the only proper response is exactly what Isaiah said. Here am I, send me. Again, there's no play in church there. It's all over. It's all done. We can quit playing church. We can quit being religious. We can quit going through the motions. And we can just be awed by God. And, 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 and we can be blown away by the gospel and the fact that even though we're broken in our sin, God offers forgiveness. And God offers not only forgiveness, but will take guilt away. And, and Isaiah said, man, now that I get all of that and that I see all that fresh and new, then when God said, who's going to go? Who's going to serve me? Who, who is going to stand up and be my man? Isaiah said, here am I, send me. It is the only logical response to a true understanding of the gospel would you all agree with that do you get that (laughs) now you got to give me about three or four more minutes because that's like okay you're sitting there saying all right that's the ending point right there here am i send me that's what he wants like he's leading us to that point now he's going to say all right I want you all to stand up and pray, and I want you to say to God, God, forgive me of my sins. Hear my sin me. There's one other thing I want to share with you out of this passage. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, there's a phrase there that says, In the year that King Uzziah died. And i got to be honest with you, I, I read this passage a thousand times and went through the whole process that I just... Um, shared with you and like it's it's my life passage and i'm like yes god i understand your holiness thank you for the gospel here am i send me um but there there i i went back later on and and i studied and in the year king uzziah died and i was like what what does that mean why did he put that there was that just like to mark the day on the calendar and and i found out that the answer to that is no that in the year King Uzziah died marked a specific time and place and event. There was something that happened, and Isaiah was marking that event with the phrase, in the year King Uzziah died. It would be just like in the United States. If we talk about, you know, September 11th, 9 that means something. We all know that's the day there was a, a, a terrorist attack that took place. So if we say September the 11th, that's not just a date on the calendar. It marks an event. In the year King Uzziah died, marked an event in Isaiah's life. And I'll just give you the reference. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. If you want to read it, go back and read the story about Uzziah. Let me tell you very quickly what it says. It says Uzziah was a king for 52 years. He was a king. And it says that Uzziah was a good king. And he was a king who feared the Lord. And he led the people to fear the Lord. And he was a good king. But later on in his reign, Uzziah became complacent. He started going through the motions. 
And ultimately, towards the end of his reign, he became so prideful and so self-sufficient and so arrogant that he decided that he wanted to go into the temple and offer incense to God. Now, their rules and regulations in the temple, only the priest could come before God and offer incense. And Uzziah got so full of himself and so complacent and so arrogant and so prideful that he said, you know what, I think I'm just going to come up in there and offer, offer incense. And it says that 80 priests came against him and said, we know you're the king. We know you could have our heads taken off, but you are not going to come up in here and offer incense. And Uzziah said, I am the king. I will do what I want to do. I'm going to offer incense before God. And then God stepped in and said, no, Uzziah, you're not going to do that. And he struck him with leprosy. And it says in First Chronicles 26 that Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And when they buried him among his fathers, his tombstone, instead of saying, this is King Uzziah who reigned for 52 years and was a great man of God, his tombstone said he was a leper. Now if you go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah's prophesying. God says, go tell the people, I'm sick of all your religious meetings. I'm sick of your festivals. When you come before me in prayer and raise your hands in prayer, I'm going to turn my back on you. And they were doing all the things that God had told them to do, but God said, I don't accept any of that. You know why? Because they had become comfortable and complacent and they were going through the motions of religion and they didn't have a high view of God and his holiness and his righteousness and God sent the prophet Isaiah to prophesy about that and then God struck King Uzziah dead in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah tells this incredible encounter with God he marks it with in the year King Uzziah died. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if, if there's been a king and he's been the king for 52 years and all of a sudden God says, you're going to have leprosy, I'm going to kill you with leprosy, that shook him up. And so Isaiah marked this incredible event in his life by saying, in the year King Uzziah died. And I say all that to you tonight to say this. God is fully capable of shaking your tree and shaking my tree. God is fully capable of bringing about in your life and in the year King Uzziah died moment or event. And in fact, I would dare say that in this room tonight, some of you are having your own version of a in the year King Uzziah died. There's something going on in your life. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads tonight as we close. We're going to sing a couple songs and we'll, we'll be done here before too terribly long. And, and, and I thank you for listening tonight. And I know this hasn't been a flowery, fluffy, funny message by any stretch of the imagination. It's heavy. It's weighty. But, but, but I, I just wonder if God would use these verses in your life tonight to just bring you to a fresh glimpse of his holiness and your sinfulness and your need to just get things right with God and to repent and to be forgiven. And not only to be forgiven, but walk out of here tonight guilt-free and ready to serve God.
here am I, send me, God, whenever, wherever, however, whatever. God, send me. I'm your man. I'm your woman. So I'm going to be, I'm going to ask you right now just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And um, you know what? This, uh, this might feel just a little bit old fashioned to some of you. And I quite honestly very seldom do this. <laughs> but I'm almost 50 years old, so let me be just a little old fashioned. I'm not going to embarrass anybody in here tonight. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to call you by name. I want to pray for you in just a second. But I'd like for you just to be honest with me before I pray. Um, some of you are in this room tonight. Maybe you don't know how you even got here. Somebody drug you here. You don't know why. You're not even sure how you ended up here tonight, but you ended up here. But I assure you, it is not an accident that you are here tonight. And maybe you're here tonight and you're right in the middle of a in the year King Uzziah died moment. Maybe there's some stuff going on in your life that has shaken you at the core of your being. Maybe you're mad at God because of some of the stuff going on. But I, I'm just going to ask you tonight if... if if, if God's just shaking your tree right now, if, if you got some stuff just going on and you know that it's tough stuff and maybe tonight you're even realizing that God might be using some of that to grab your attention. If you're right in the middle of that kind of a crisis in your life, um, I want to pray for you. Again, I'm not going to call you by name. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. Just real quick, if you're there tonight, just raise your hand. Just keep it up for about two or three seconds. Put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Thank you over here. Thank you. And now secondly tonight, I'd like to just say, hey, you know what? Um, I've been in church all my life. I mean, I think the second or third Sunday I was alive, I went to church and pretty much been going ever since. I know the church game. I know how it works. I know what goes on at church. But I also know that sometimes, even when we have the best of intentions, and even when we would say, yes, I love Jesus, the reality is it's easy for us to grow complacent. So I wonder again, if you're in here tonight, if you'd just be honest enough to say, hey, you know what, Ron, I know I know Jesus, know I'm saved, but if I were just being real honest tonight, I would have to say, yep, I need a fresh glimpse of God's glory and holiness. Would you just put your hand up real quick, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you all over the room. Last thing. I believe with all my heart that the Bible says this. That we are lost and undone apart from Jesus Christ. And that Jesus did in fact come and shed his blood on the cross so that we could have our sins atoned for, our sins forgiven, and our guilt removed. Because of the incredible work that Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says if you'll come before Jesus and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, ask Him tonight in your own words, not a magic formula, not a magic prayer, but if you would just cry out and say, yes, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and save me, the Bible says you can be saved.
So I'm going to ask you one last thing, and please, everybody, I don't want anybody looking around. This is just between you and God. It's not between anybody else in this room. Please honor that and just don't look around. Again, I'm, just, I'm going to pray right now in just a second. But if you're here tonight and you're just not sure, if you don't know that you're saved, if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you're just kind of wondering what that's all about, maybe tonight you're going to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. But, but if you're right in that category and you're just dealing right there, would you just put your hand up real quick? Put it right back down. Just put it up for a second or two. All right. Let's pray. And then as we sing tonight, uh, this altar will be open. I know this is a safe place. You can come, pray, bring people with you. We're going to sing and just do business with God for a few minutes before we leave here tonight. Um, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that you are, in fact, holy, holy, holy. And God, we would confess and admit to you tonight that we are, in fact, sinful, sinful, sinful. And we are in desperate need of your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the cross of Jesus. I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you for salvation. And Lord, for anyone here tonight who's not sure, anyone here tonight who is not walking with Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. God, don't let them leave this place without just crying out to you or or at least grabbing somebody and saying, hey, can you talk to me more about that? God, for Christians who were honest enough in here tonight just to say, Yeah, I I need a fresh glimpse of God's holiness. God, give us that tonight. Draw us to yourself. And Lord, for folks tonight that would find themselves in the middle of a crisis, and and Lord, many in this room just raised their hand and said, yep, I'm having an in the year King Uzziah died time in my life right now. God, um, I pray that you would come tonight and wrap your arms around them and love them and also God let them know even as they're walking through that that you're there with them and God in Isaiah's life you use that just to draw him back to yourself and so God I pray that you do that and so Lord tonight we just want to say you are in fact holy 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 and God the whole earth full of your glory and Lord I pray that even this room right now would be full of your glory as we just sing and pray in these last few moments we have together tonight I pray this in Jesus name Amen